We are grateful that uh, you could come, that you could make it out this evening. We know we have a few folks, uh, in fact, a number of folks who are joining us uh, live streamed as well. So welcome to those of you who are in far off places uh, today and are unable to be here with us. So thank you for joining us. And we certainly want to thank those of you who down through the years uh, uh, of Phyllis's association here at Little Farms have played such a vital role uh, in that responsibility, whether it's uh, giving an initial invitation uh, to come uh, for Larry and for Phyllis uh, to join us at Little Farms uh, before we were even in this building and meeting in the gymnasium, uh, or whether it's uh, you put a lot of time uh, an effort into maintaining that house on Mayfield Street and wondering how long it was going to stand. So thank you for those of you who served on youth groups who raked that yard or painted that house countless times. So thank you for your service. And for those of you who have befriended uh, Phyllis uh, in these past years, thank you for the time you've spent with her and uh, including her uh, in so many ways, and especially to Gert for these past several years of uh, dealing with medical stuff with Phyllis as well. And a special thanks to Ruthie for your friendship there at uh, Walker Meadows as well. Let's begin by turning in our songbooks to number 236. 236. Each one of these Hymns has a special meaning and a special reason that we are singing them. Um, this one is because of the second verse in regards to Phyllis's life. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus forgiveness receives. And she uh, certainly knew uh, that wonderful grace of our Lord and Savior and would say, praise the Lord. Let's stand to sing the three verses, 236.
You may be seated. Let's come to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, as we come into this day, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you have provided us with a beautiful day in your creation. You have given to us a gorgeous evening with which we might come into your presence. That we might be here tonight, Father, to celebrate a life that you created, a life that you formed, a life that you brought into existence, a life, Father, from the very moment of conception. You had ordained every day of Phyllis's life. You had set out, Father, a plan and a purpose. And you, Father, at your good pleasure, brought about the end of her earthly life here as well. In a way, Father, that remains to some mysterious and many unanswered questions about uh, that evening or early morning. And yet, Father, we might rest assured that the time of her departure from this earth was your doing as well as you called your servant home to be with you in glory. And so we come, Father, tonight celebrating a life, a unique life, a different life. Maybe not the story that every one of us has in life. And yet, Father, it was a life that was vibrant, a life that was full of joy, a life, Father, that was creative, a life, Father, that was purposeful, a life, Father, that was found in you. And we thank you for the grace that you gave to our sister Phyllis. And that we can, Father, come tonight, yes, grieving. But grieving not like the rest of the world who has no hope. For we know that Phyllis's hope was found in you. And that you, Father, were her strength. You were her refuge. You were her strong tower. And so, Father, as we celebrate that life that you gave to us, a life, Father, that we've all enjoyed in, from different perspectives, all the various ways, Father, in which we are all interconnected to this life, this life of Philistine that brings us here together tonight. And we pray then that your spirit might be present with us and that, Lord, you would bless Uh, the meditations of our heart and the words that we speak, that they might be, Father, truly that which we have just sung. Praise to you. In the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. 476. 476. This was uh, one of Phyllis's favorites. And I know that because whenever we sang it at services at uh, Walker Meadows, she would end by saying, now that's a good one. That's a good one. So 400, because we didn't always sing real well there. I got, you know, there were sometimes eight, maybe 12 of us there, uh, led by my singing, which is not all that great. Um, Fortunately, my sister Sue came along and started accompanying at the piano, which helped out a little bit, but there were still times. We struggled, but this was a keeper. This was a good one. 476, let's stand to sing. 
may be seated once again. Three psalms to read this evening. And the reason I read from the book of Psalms is because if you looked at Phyllis's Bible, uh, the one that she used um, pretty religiously, you will find that the dirtiest pages in the entire Bible are found in the Psalms. It was these words of God, especially to our sister Phyllis over the last 20 some years, that brought her a great amount of peace, a great amount of hope, and a great amount of comfort. When uh, I looked through on uh, the day uh, of her passing that morning, uh, looking for her Bible, which I knew would be around close, um, it was open to Psalm 23. One wonders when she had read it. One wonders why she read it. And one wonders if this was a message that Phyllis was indeed sending. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. She also had some notes by Psalm 86, or at least some underlinings. So I'll read as well the first uh, 13 verses. This was a prayer of David, and I think as I read it, you can hear, for those of us who knew her from Little Farms, you can hear Phyllis in these words. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love towards me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. And then from Psalm 92. 
It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the tune of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. On the back of the uh, order for this evening is the song, Trust and Obey. It became one of uh, Phyllis's favorite quotations. Uh, the women who were in uh, the women's Bible study Sunday school class uh, can probably uh, not count the number of times they heard Phyllis say, just have to trust and obey, just have to trust and obey. And that is a marked change in Phyllis. One who would worry, one who would fret, had learned to simply trust and obey. And yet, I also want to call your attention to verse 5. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Let's stand to sing again. The five stanzas.
may be seated. sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior. But God who called me here 
Thank you, Tammy. We turn uh, in God's Word again to the book of 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and in thinking about Phyllis and what is an appropriate passage for uh, a celebration of her life, I think this passage says it all. Paul is writing, first of all, partially it, it becomes his defense, but I think we'll, we have to read that as sort of the back portion so we get the context of where Paul is going here. 2 Corinthians 5.11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once again, we certainly want to thank those, and they know who they are in the room even tonight, who were the ambassadors for Christ, who a long time ago extended an invitation to Larry. Come to Little Farms to church. He woke up one Sunday, got kind of dressed up, said to Phyllis, come on babe, we're going to church. And she said, I almost fell off my chair. And I almost spilled the coffee all over me. We're going where? To church. And life was not the same since. See, there's kind of two different philistines. Just like for all of us as believers, there's two of our stories as well. There's the story that perhaps some of you in this room know. Others of you who are here tonight only can think of that sweet old lady who sat in the back 
That sweet old lady who was a good special friend uh, to the girls in our stars, who was a faithful Bible study person, that sweet old lady. But others know that Philistrine was not always a sweet old lady. That there was a time in which she was a pretty wild young woman. Now, sometimes we have trouble imagining folks younger than what we have experienced them. But Phyllis was younger, and she was a lot wilder. Some of the stories she let me in on, other stories she wasn't about to tell the pastor of the church. It may have been just a little bit too uncomfortable to say. And so we could ask the question, well, what happened to Phyllis? And I'm actually going to ask it three times. What happened to Phyllis? Because there would be some people who, if they were in this room, they would just be, who are you talking about? I don't recognize the lady that you have spoken about. That's not the Phyllis Strine I knew. Because they knew her back in those days. What happened to her? What happened to Phyllis? And I would pray that these words that we can speak about our sister are also the same words we could really say about ourselves. And if not, I challenge you tonight. Today is the day of salvation. The first thing I can tell you is, well, it's here in... Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you want to know what happened to Phyllis, Phyllis became in Christ. There was a change. She was in Christ, and we know she was in Christ because she knew her sin, and she acknowledged her sin, and she repented of her sin. She knew what she had done not only was wrong, not only was bad, but she knew it was sinful. She knew it was against the law of God. She knew it was against God's word. She knew it. She knew she had sinned against God. And she acknowledged that she had sinned against God. And she repented of that sin. Meaning, she turned away from it. Never again to return down that dark path. Oh, that doesn't mean she never sinned in the last years of her life. None of us can live that perfect of a life. But from the dark days, she certainly had turned. Secondly, she was in Christ because she looked to Christ alone for her salvation. She was not trusting in herself. She was not trusting in something she had done. She had not trusting in her own efforts. She was not trusting in the fact she did her devotions faithfully. She was not trusting in any of that. She knew she was saved in and through the blood of Jesus Christ alone. Only Christ. Only Christ. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Paul wrote, we might become the righteousness of God. Thirdly, we know that she was in Christ because she was striving to live a life of thankfulness. She was striving 
to be the person that God called her to be. So the text says, what happened to Phyllis? If anyone is in Christ, that's what happened to Phyllis. There was a time in which she was not in Christ. Dark days, evil days, sinful days, sinful lifestyle, sinful habits. But she came to know Christ. And it changed her. But listen to the text. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Phyllis was a new creation. That's what happened to her. That's why I can speak this way. Because God recreated her. God caused her, and in other language we might use from the Bible, to be born again. To become a new person. How did she become a new person? One, her priorities changed. That which was near and dear to the heart of Phyllis Strine changed. She fell in love with Christ. She fell in love with the one who put his arms around her and held her and loved her. Cared for her. And laid down his life for her. Her priority changed. No love of Christ. Not really interested in Christ. To falling in love with her Lord and Savior. Her love of the church, that changed as far as her priorities. From that first time that they came, well, it might have been a little sporadic at first, but boy, did it pick up steam. And it kept picking up steam, kept picking up steam. One service wasn't enough. It had to be two. And then when she went to Walker Meadows, two wasn't enough. She needed three services on Sunday. And when Pastor Bob said, how about, you know, we just make it two times a month, you could see the sadness on her face. You sure you can't make it four? Her priorities changed. She loved the church. Her worship services here, the worship services at Walker Meadows, the Bible studies of which she was a part, faithfully a part of. I remember one time at Walker Meadows, she always sat on the, the right side and right next to me and I looked down at her sheet and it, it, it was just full. It was just full. She loved the church and digging into God's Word. The activities of the church, the special friends that I mentioned, the young girls that she befriended. Her devotion. You talk about a change of priorities in a woman. Somebody who, who could have cared less about what the Bible said. To morning and evening, faithfully. I can't tell you how many times in those first years when I would go there, the first she, thing she would do is she'd say, Now, Pastor Bob, before we talk, before we visit, I got some questions. I was reading here in this devotional, and she'd turn to the page, pull it out. This is what I read. What does this mean? 
Well, I was reading here in this devotional, and I'm like, how many devotionals do you have in that Bible? Morning and evening. Morning and evening. In the Word. She became a new creature in Christ, a new creation. We see it in the priorities of her life. We even see it in her witness. Her willingness to, come on, come to church. Her desire to have that service at Walker Meadows so that other folks there, who she knew were without Christ, might have the opportunity to hear. And what a blessing that service was for so many over the years. We buried a, a good number of faithful believers, Phyllis included. We're still working on a couple. And so is God. The priorities changed. Not only in terms of that type of witness, but she began to be pretty concerned about people who were less fortunate than her. See, for most of her life, Phyllis did not have an easy life. And yet God had put her in a pleasant place. She didn't have spare change. But she figured out a way. <laughs> she figured out a way to get food down to Matthew's house, down at the corner of 7th and Alpine. For those, yeah, she probably remembered the days when she would have been there taking and accepting the food. She did what she could. <laughs> she, she had no resources of her own to give for those sorts of things, but she had ingenuity, and she used her ingenuity to help in an abundant way. Phyllis was a new creation. Her priority changed. So did her demeanor. I mentioned before what a, a worrywart she was, how fretful she was at the beginning. Which all gave way to peace. How impatient she was. It all gave way to peace. And you know what else? One of the other things that changed about her demeanor you used to be able to ride over Phyllis with anything you wanted. You could squish her and squash her and make mincemeat of her quickly. <laughs> Not anymore. She got a backbone. She got courage. She changed. Dramatic change. An amazing change. Well, of course, God made her a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Her language changed. Oh, man, this little Dutch boy from his little Dutch ghetto, okay? The first time moving, walking into the house over there on Mayfield and dealing with Larry and Phyllis and a cursing bird. Uh, sort of like, where did the bird learn to curse like that? Okay? Eh, it wasn't hard to figure out where the bird learned to curse. And the next time Pastor Bob came, the, the covering was over the bird, so he stayed quiet the whole time. Ah. But you'd never think of Phyllis that way now, right? 
You, you, you would never think of her as one who would be pretty blue with her language and not think anything of it. Oh, how God made her into a new creation. You know what else changed about her? Her eternity. Her eternity. In the first part of that section of 2 Corinthians 5, we read this. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we moan. Longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent we groan. Being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed. But that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You see, her eternity changed. That which was a fearful condemnation and judgment changed. Now she's got the best house Phyllis Strine has ever lived in. She was so tickled pink when, when she finally caved in and moved from Mayfield to Walker Meadows. Took a lot of convincing. But once there, <laughs> she thought she had it made. She thought she was Queen Elizabeth. And you know what? Those apartments aren't all that big, are they, Ruthie? Right? She thought she had it made. But now, now, there is a mansion prepared for her in glory. Her eternity changed. Because now she's with Christ. Now the one for whom she has strived for these so many years is now saying and has said to her already, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, enter, enter into your rest. What happened to Phyllis? Well, she was in Christ. What happened to Phyllis? She was a new creation. What happened to Phyllis? One more thing. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come all this is from God. What happened to Phyllis? Phyllis got a gift. She got a gift. A gift from God. Phyllis was changed by God. She didn't change herself. She didn't do anything. It's God who did something to her. 
God came into her heart. God came into her life. God came in as the God of grace. Grace by faith, which is his gift in Christ alone. All this is by God. It's not me. It's not the church. It wasn't her. Else we'd be on wavy ground. Uncertain foundation. But her hope was built on a sure foundation. The work of God. The work of grace. Because it's God who made her in Christ. It is God who adopted her as one of his. And that's why for these last years she has sought to be an ambassador for Christ. I know, I know, I know. Because she told me many times. I know that there are some of you here tonight who are without Christ. Phyllis was at one time too. God, in his grace, gave her the gift of faith. Say, well then, pastor, what should I do? Pray. Pray that the God of grace might pour forth his gift of faith in your heart as well. Because some of you struggle with this. And I know Phyllis struggled with how to convey it to you. She often said, Pastor Bob, at my funeral, try to get it through their head. Well, I can't get it through your head either. But God can. You know how I know God can? Because he did it to a man named Larry Strine. And he did it to his wife, Phyllis. The God of grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. What an amazing truth this is. Lord, we, we know that the desire of Phyllis's heart was to be with you for all of eternity. And you have given her that greatest desire. She, in her soul, is with you now. And we thank you for that hope, that promise, that assurance that your word, your word of truth, gives to us. Lord, we've lived through a, a couple of years of so much uncertainty, so much back and forth. But here is truth, your truth, eternal truth. A truth that changed the life of Phyllis Strine. So we gather to celebrate that life. We thank you for that which you have done. And we pray even as Phyllis would desire to be prayed. That you and you alone receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for this great work that you have done. For those who mourn and grieve, for those who had close relationships with her, 
Lord, we pray for the comfort of your Holy Spirit to rest upon them. And that, Father, they too might be encouraged by these words. For those, Lord, who perhaps knew Phyllis in an earlier stage and portion of life, Father, may they stand amazed at your amazing love. For those, again, Father, who are without Christ, even here with us tonight, Father, we pray that you would send forth your Spirit into their hearts and cause them to be born again as a new creature in Christ as well. It's in his victorious name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Our closing hymn is number 480. 480. Thank you, Tammy, for singing tonight. I know that was not an easy thing to do, but you answered the call without hesitation. So thank you. Thank you for those who work the sound and video booth, making it possible for even some folks in Alaska to watch us tonight. So thank you for that. Thank you, Stacy, for playing the piano uh, tonight as well and for your accompaniment and willingness and for uh, Carly making all the arrangements as well. We're inviting you afterwards to a time of celebration to share some stories uh, about Phyllis. If you don't recognize somebody who's here, well, go introduce yourself and say, Hi, I'm so-and-so. I knew Phyllis as a new creature in Christ. When did you know her? Okay, And you can perhaps get a good story going at that time. So thank you, Lisa, as well, for providing the beautiful flowers tonight. We know how important those uh, beautiful flowers were to Phyllis. So thank you for that gift of love that you've given tonight. We're going to sing and close with number 480. Uh, for those of us uh, at Little Farms, going to be a little tough making it through this. Again, almost made it. This is the last song Phyllis sang with us in church that Sunday evening. And it is, it is just so powerful in the statement it means. If you think about this as Phyllis's testimony, your testimony, that she invites you to share tonight. And uh, just the, the beautiful way in which this song reminds us with great assurance and peace and comfort that Phyllis is all right. In fact, Phyllis is more than all right. Phyllis has never been better. Her soul rejoices in the Lord her Savior. 480, let's stand to sing.
thank you again for coming tonight and being part of this celebration of Phyllis's life. Easiest way is to exit through this door and then just keep heading that direction uh, and you'll eventually make your way to the gym. Uh, Phyllis didn't need to be reminded where, the, where that was or where the cake was. We know she loved her sweets. So uh, you can just head out this door, makes it simple, shorter for you. And uh, once again, we encourage you to stay to enjoy a time of fellowship. You're dismissed.